This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us for Episode 13 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Our focus on this podcast is, of course, threat intelligence. There are other methods and tools that can combine with threat intelligence to help strengthen your security posture, and one of those is threat hunting. It's popular enough these days to have reached buzzword status, so to help us get a better understanding, we've got Keith Gilbert, security technologist at Threat Hunting Specialist Squirrel, to be our guide. Stay with us. If you look back historically, you see there was a lot of focus on prevention. Uh, and then obviously that has shifted to detection and response. And so I think it's kind of a, a natural continuation of, of that shift. And people are realizing that or and, and have been for, for some time that the products that they are using are not you know infallible. Um, they're not going to catch 100% of malicious actors uh, or malware samples or what have you. So it's useful to be able to explore your network and determine what those products have missed uh, to the best of your ability. And then the idea and goal is to use the information that you collect to uh, feedback and make it possible to, to implement methods for detecting those in the future. So it's really all about uh, continuous improvement. Let's sort of go through a definition. What are we talking about when we're talking about threat hunting? Threat hunting, um, similar to threat intelligence, is a, a term that seems to be a subject of, of common debate within the industry. And depending on the maturity level of an organization, you know, a definition may may differ based on what their capabilities are. From our perspective, um, a true hunting capability is the ability to to essentially form a hypothesis, uh, collect the information you need. Uh, analyze that information and determine uh, whether or not your hypothesis was correct. A negative result in a hunt is not a failed result. It's still a, a positive outcome. Uh, the, the key factors here is you have to know or have some idea of, of what you're looking for um, rather than just a free-for-all. Uh, that tends to really not be super productive, also not repeatable. You have to be able to collect the information that you need to, to answer that question. And then ideally, whoever is conducting the hunt has the uh, expertise required to analyze the data collected and make a determination. If it's a, a positive outcome and there's a new action or uh, compromise on the network that is discovered, the ideal scenario is to then take that information and be able to develop a proactive measure of, of detection um, or potentially prevention that the organization can use going forward. So take me through a real-world example of uh, someone setting up a typical hunting scenario. Uh, one that we often start out with is, is one that we try to use to meld people's familiarity with indicators compromise and you know, discrete data, such as IPs and domains, and one with uh, a more freeform hunting aspect. And so when you kind of combine those two, you know, there are a lot of orgs that uh, will match or block based on lists of, of data or information. That is definitely a valid approach and useful for detecting known things. But part of the, the purpose of hunting is finding unknown things. To kind of combine those two, you may come up with a, a theory that there are compromised hosts on your network communicating with a domain 
that the majority of other hosts are not. And so in that case, it's network-based data uh, that you're collecting and going to be analyzing. And the first thing you might do is use a frequency analysis to determine whether or not there are any domains that only a few hosts on your network are reaching out to. And when you do that frequency analysis, if you find that every domain observed on the network is, is widely observed, then you may end up stopping there with that particular hypothesis. On the flip side, if you find that there are, in fact, some domains you found that maybe two or three hosts throughout uh, a network or a network, network segment are communicating with, then you start down the road of investigating those domains. Are they known? Are there any indications that they are malicious? If they are not known and there's no indications, um, do we have any supporting information that can help me make that determination regarding these hosts? So in that case, you may start to bring in additional supporting data. If you have host-based data, uh, you can determine what processes are, are reaching out and making those calls. It may be simple enough, depending on the size of the organization, to call the users and see if it's anything that, that they are aware of on those hosts. Um, may also depend upon function of the systems in question. And so based on the data available, uh, you can piece together as complete a scenario as you need and or, or are able to. And from there, make a decision of whether or not the activity is uh, worth a deeper investigation or if you are able to explain it in some way. And so depending on the outcome, it may be positive or negative uh, for maliciousness, but you are at least able to go from start to finish uh, for a, a defined question. And, and that would complete your, your hunt for that period of time. In terms of the size of a company, is there a size at which uh, threat hunting becomes a practical thing? If I'm a small business owner, is how do I know if threat hunting is for me? Um, so in general, when you mention small business owner, that's probably not the general type of organization that's going to be carrying out the activity. In fact, I mean, a small business owner, quite frankly, is often not going to have uh, any IT staff or security staff on hand at all. It'll much more often be you know, contracted out, maybe not a full-time function, depending on how small. But when you start to get to, to medium or large organizations, what we find a lot of times is that folks don't think they have time to do uh, something like this. But what we often suggest, uh, you don't need a, a dedicated team in all instances doing just hunting. For instance, if you have an incident response team and they are not fully utilized, you know, uh, 40 hours a week uh, or in many cases, 40 plus hours a week, it can be a very useful task for them to engage in while they're not responding to an active incident. In a lot of cases, it can help feed active incidents or it can uh, discover other areas that may be valuable to enact some detective mechanisms that were not identified prior. Now, if you're a large organization, um, you know, and there's good funding and, and that sort of thing, you may very well have uh, a dedicated threat hunting team. And in that case, the eventual goal should be to help support the other functions to bolster defenses across the organization. One of the things that I've talked to um, folks at Recorded Future about is how sometimes it's hard to define things. When, 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 it, when something becomes a buzzword, when something achieves buzzword status in the industry, and I think uh, threat intelligence has had that and certainly threat hunting has that. You know, you go to a trade show and suddenly it's something that everyone has to be uh, offering because it's, it's the hot thing. As a supplier of that sort of thing, how do you cut through that noise? 
Uh, I think we find the the best way um, is to really demonstrate what we're we're talking about and and simply ask you know customers or, or potential customers to compare that versus what they're seeing elsewhere. It's not a flashy task and it doesn't need to be. Um, the goal is not to look good while you're doing it. It's to improve your defenses. How can threat hunting integrate with a threat intelligence strategy? Absolutely. So um, this is one area that, that we find both a good input and output use for. I, I always like to start these types of discussions with, uh, you know, the differences or, or uh, overview from from what actually threat intelligence is versus what a lot of folks refer to it as. And so I always use the, the comparison of threat data, threat information, and then threat intelligence. And, and that kind of follows you know, a more traditional uh, intelligence type funnel. And so oftentimes, I, I mentioned very early on that the, the blocking of, of domains or IPs or detection using those lists is a, a valid approach uh, for some threats. However, I would not consider that actual threat intelligence. Those lists may be threat data. If they are simply lists, if they have a little bit of context, they may be threat information. But without a strategic application, uh, they do not become threat intelligence. One of the primary areas, um, given that there's a you know a hypothesis generation aspect for threat hunting, actual threat intelligence should include more than static indicators of compromise. And oftentimes they will include types of behaviors or actions that are higher on the uh, the pyramid of pain, which some of the listeners may be familiar with. And in those cases, those are the types of data points that we want to use to generate our hypothesis to conduct a hunt. And so as an input, threat intelligence can provide the necessary supporting information to help produce the relevant hypotheses for, for hunts, particularly if that intelligence is catered to my organization or my industry or that sort of thing. As an output on the end of the, I guess there's not really an end of a circle, right? With um, But as the one of the final steps in the, the cycle for hunting uh, is the feedback mechanism. So developing the potential detective measures, but then also using the, the confirmation or perhaps uh, denial of the hypothesis can help inform the threat intelligence function within the organization of uh, whether or not they were vulnerable, whether or not um, it was something that was in fact observed, uh, used against them. If we can continue to improve kind of the, the sharing between those two cycles or the overlap, uh, there should be measurable gain you know, if someone's on the fence and, and um, you know, threat hunting is something that they're considering adding to their spectrum of uh, ways to defend themselves, uh, what are the take-homes for you? What, do you? what do you say to that person who is trying to decide if this is something worth investing in? The best way to go about it is is to kind of start small and start with something that, that you can currently do. Determine if, if you feel that that's going to start uh, producing an impact. And once you determine whether or not... Um, your current sources allow you to conduct any measurable improvement. You can make an informed decision of what sources you need to, to potentially add to improve that. Uh, you may find that currently you do not have enough uh, log collection sources or perhaps not the, the staffing level needed. So it may very well inform uh, a gap analysis as well. And so if it's something that you're interested in, you know you want to work towards, you can use that to begin to make uh, changes with your current infrastructure, current collection mechanisms, use that to improve or work down a path to get to that level. Now, 
if you have just network data currently, for instance, you can do a lot with with just that with hunting and and you'll want to form your hypotheses such that they cater to that data. Once you feel like you've exhausted that, you can start to move into maybe the host side um, or a combination of the two. Eventually, you're probably going to determine that you did, in fact, see a positive benefit. And the assessment at that point uh, becomes whether or not your current tools can can handle your activities. If there are efficiencies to be had, um, particularly if you're on the fence with the, the staffing decision, one of the possible methods for moving down that route is to try to cut down the amount of time uh, it takes to both conduct a hunt as well as uh, implement potential detective measures as a result afterwards. Our thanks to Keith Gilbert for joining us. You can learn more about squirrel and threat hunting on their website at sqrl.com. And while you're online, don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. You can also find more intelligence analysis at recordedfuture.com slash blog. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast team includes coordinating producer Amanda McKeown, executive producer Greg Barrett, the show is produced by Pratt Street Media, with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.